Hey friend, are you swamped with scheduling, bogged down by bookings, or overwhelmed with managing your social media? This message is for you. I would love to introduce you to my secret weapon, StyleSmart VA. This is a company of virtual assistants literally designed by hairstylists for hairstylists. I found them through an interview right here on the podcast, and then shortly after found myself booking a discovery call because I was drowning in administrative tasks and needed help. It's been a few months now, and I can't tell you how much my VA has changed my life. No joke, friends. I am such a believer in StyleSmart VA that I decided to bring them in as an episode sponsor here on the show. Listen, as creatives, our focus should be on the clients and our craft. And now that I have my virtual assistant, I can devote more of my time to exactly that. The beauty of hiring a VA through StyleSmart is that they come to you already trained and able to seamlessly step into your business. From managing appointments and client communications to handling your social media presence, StyleSmart virtual assistants free you up to concentrate on your clients. And that's a change your clients will notice and appreciate. I mean, can we say elevating your perceived value? So when you're ready to level up in your business and take some weight off your shoulders, head on over to StyleSmartVA.com and book a free discovery call today. You'll also find the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. StyleSmart VA, empowering beauty professionals to focus on what they do best. Hi friend. If you find yourself constantly underwhelmed and at the mercy of your hairstylist, this podcast is for you. If you find yourself scratching your head, wondering why your salon career isn't what it should be, this podcast is for you. If you have general interest in topics related to hair care, health, and the beauty industry, this podcast is for you. If you're flustered, bewildered, and befuddled as to why clients don't come back, this podcast is for you. If you want to feel empowered and in control about the future of your or your client's hair, this podcast is for you. If you find yourself feeling overwhelmed with the enormous amount of hair products available and have no clue how or when to use them, this podcast is for you. Friends, this podcast is where I attempt to use my expertise behind the chair to bridge the gap between confused consumers and the hustling hairstylists, ultimately creating more great hair days for everyone. My goal here is to entertain and inform maybe even delight as you journey with me through the ins and outs of everything hair. Welcome to the Your Hair Mentor podcast where I am your host and your hair mentor, Crystal Green. In this week's podcast episode, I'm going to dive into whether or not saunas are good for your hair. I have some great listener questions to go through and then I have a product of the week that you don't want to miss. So let's dive in. Hey there, friend. Welcome back and happy hair day to you. At the beginning of every new year, we see a focus on health and wellness, right? New Year's resolutions to lose weight, eat cleaner, stress less, and more. I'd like to say that I'm not part of this silly resolution stuff, but every year I get sucked in too. So I've signed up for a workout program that starts this month. Pretty excited about it. I'm feeling very motivated and have been tightening up my health game in general, which has kind of been not so tight the last year. And uh, 
in my internet sleuthing for health hacks, I've noticed more and more people talking about sauna use and its health benefits. It's believed that saunas can lower stress, improve cardiovascular health, reduce psoriasis, improve depression symptoms, lower risk of dementia, improve sleep, improve metabolism, and so much more. But with all these benefits, is there a dark side to sauna? Are sauna sessions bad for your hair? I had someone ask me this question and it got me thinking. So, I mean, it's heat, right? And isn't heat terrible for your hair? The short answer is, it depends. But of course, since this is a podcast dedicated to the topic, I'm not going to just leave you with the short answer. Long answer it is. Okay, so let's dig into this. Saunas come in a few different varieties, and in order to answer the question about hair health in saunas, we got to break these down first, because the different flavors of sauna affect our hair differently. Well, first of all, do you know what a sauna is? A lot of us picture a hot bath, like a jacuzzi or a hot tub, but that's actually incorrect. By definition, a sauna is a small room used as a hot air or steam bath for cleaning and refreshing the body. I'm not sure about the cleaning and refreshing the body part, but just consider that anytime I'm referencing a sauna, I'm talking about a small room you sit in, not a tub or a bath, okay? What's crazy is that saunas have been around for ages, like over 2,000 years, and only recently have become popular in Western society. Sauna culture originated in Finland, and they take it very seriously, folks. They're like the most hardcore of the hardcore in sauna land. They turn their saunas up like way hotter than we do, and they sit in them way longer than we do. But I wonder if at this point it's like built into their DNA or something, but fascinating. You can dive into that on your own time if you want. I found it really interesting. Um, But it has its perks, apparently. Finnish studies have shown that with just two sauna sessions per week, they've seen a reduction of 24% in all-cause mortality. That means that sauna users are less likely to die in general. Crazy, right? So if you want to know more about why this is a thing, I encourage you to go listen to Dr. Rhonda Patrick's podcast. If I can say that three times fast, pod, pod, bleh, Rhonda Patrick's podcast. There we go. Spit it out, Crystal. Um, and it's called Found My Fitness. Episode number 48 specifically talks about the health benefits of sauna. But I have to warn you uh, ahead of time, she's a tad nerdy and very detail-oriented. I mean, she's a super doctor, basically. So sometimes I find myself pausing her podcast to go Google things here and there, but she is a great resource nonetheless. Okay, let's circle back to the less nerdy side of things and talk about the different kinds of saunas first. So there are four main categories of sauna, and although they all tout similar health benefits, they will drastically affect our hair differently, which is why we're going to talk about the different kinds, okay? So the first type of sauna, known as like the OG, the traditional, the regular, or the Finnish sauna, because it started in Finland, um, the next is called a dry sauna. And then we have the steam bath or Turkish bath. And last, the newest technology, the infrared therapy. 
So with the Finnish sauna, it works like this. There is a heating element with stones on it that heats up the room to a super high heat. Then you ladle spoonfuls of water, sometimes infused with things like herbs, that causes a burst of steam, humidity, and makes the relative temperature feel hotter. Moisture with heat always makes it feel hotter. So the quick increase in the humidity um, makes it feel hotter in the room. Makes sense. And the humidity varies in those rooms depending on how many ladles of liquid you put on the stones. But the temperature is always quite hot. That's kind of the most important bit of that one. Now with a dry sauna, the heating element is similar, but no moisture is added. So the relative humidity stays very low and the heat still stays, stays very high. Okay. So no ladling, no spoonfuls, just dry, high heat. Now in a steam bath or a steam room or Turkish bath, as they're all called, the opposite is true. It's not quite as hot of an environment, but the relative humidity is super high. The heat for these type is created by boiling water and then releasing the steam into the room. So it's like dripping wet in there. And all three of these types of saunas kind of do the same thing, meaning you sit in a hot room and try to withstand the high heat, either dry or wet. Your whole body gets super, super hot from like the outside in. Now, the last variety, the infrared type, is very, very different. Infrared saunas use a technology that produces radiant heat, which is absorbed by the body. It's said that infrared heat penetrates more deeply than warmed air, like regular saunas. So the idea is you can sit in a lower temperature room while still experiencing the benefits of a sauna sesh. It's almost like you're cooking your body from the inside out versus outside in from traditional sauna style. So how do all these affect your hair? Okay, so I like to think of hair and treat it as a delicate fabric, like silk. We can all agree that heat exposure isn't great for delicate fabrics, right? Whether it's a blow dryer, a hot iron, sun exposure, or sauna, it's all heat exposure. So in a nutshell, heat exposure isn't great for your hair. But heat exposure, like a sauna, is fantastic for your scalp. There's no arguing that sitting in any type of hot sauna increases circulation, which we in the hairland know is great for hair growth. Steam saunas help open up your pores and purge impurities, which can also be great for scalps. Infrared saunas with their deeper penetration supposedly help stimulate collagen production, which I'm sure you've also heard helps with healthy hair, skin, and nails. So it's pretty widely accepted that there's no denying that your scalp and skin will benefit from any type, any type or any time in a sauna. Okay. But your hair is another story, delicate fabric, remember? So in a traditional finish or dry sauna, the low humidity and high heat might damage fragile hair. And when I say fragile, I'm talking about chemically processed or mechanically damaged or nutritionally deprived hair, delicate hair. 
But that doesn't mean that you can't use those types of sauna if you have delicate hair. It just means that you may need to add a little protection to your hair before getting in. Just like you would use heat protecting product before you use a hot iron. Same idea, folks. My favorite way to do this is to apply a treatment conditioner to your hair and then wrap it in a thin towel, preferably one of those like really thin microfiber towels because they are absorbent without being heavy. The heat will help the nutrients in the conditioner penetrate and do their job better. And then the hydrating ingredients in the conditioner will not only protect, but also repair your hair. It's like a win-win. But if you don't want to have a goopy conditioner on your hair, at the very least, I recommend adding a heat protecting oil to your hair. This will serve as a slight barrier and help protect from the high heat. Just make sure that it has a little silicone in it because that's the actual heat protecting ingredient in those oils. And you don't need a ton, just enough to lightly coat your hair. So that's my recommendation for a dry or finish sauna. Now I mentioned for delicate hair, but anyone's hair can benefit from those things. Okay. Even if you have like healthy, robust, amazing hair, putting a treatment conditioner is certainly not going to hurt your hair. So on the flip side in a steam room or Turkish bath, the high humidity can work wonders for your hair. Did you know that steam treatments are something that high-end salons are now offering at the shampoo bowl? If you've been on Instagram looking at hair things, especially in the curly community, you've probably seen these things. They're like this little nozzle that they put on your hair at the shampoo bowl. But basically the steam pumps your hair full of moisture and it's fantastic for those of us that suffer from like dry scalp issues or have that dry curly hair. Delicate hair and robust hair alike will benefit from steam. You can pump up the goodness even more by applying a treatment conditioner in a steam room. Just make sure you wrap that hair towel on there or you're going to be a soupy, goopy, steamy mess, right? Because it's already dripping wet in there. So now with infrared, it's a little different because you're not being exposed to really high heat or really humid environments. The infrared saunas don't really affect your hair too much. Although yes, they're still hot. Technically it's not hot enough that I'd worry about adding heat protecting product to your hair. Will adding product hurt? No. Will it help? Probably. Adding a treatment conditioner to your routine in any capacity will almost certainly help anyone's hair. So if you choose to do that in an infrared sauna, you go girl. Now there's one big caveat to all of this, something that loads of us need to consider. Either you have them on your head or you apply them on your clients' heads. I'm talking about extensions. Those little buggers put a spin on the whole sauna gig folks. So different types of extensions will most definitely be affected and possibly ruined by sauna going. If you've ever considered extensions, make sure that you pay attention here. Okay. Come back to me, circle back. I'm especially concerned about the bonded and glued types of extensions. I did an entire episode here on the podcast where I broke down all the different types of extensions. Have you listened to that one yet? If you haven't had a chance to listen, check out episode number 16 called Got Extensions. It will give you total clarity on the different extension styles I'm referencing here. 
Um, Okay, so extensions, users, and enthusiasts, listen up. If your extensions are beaded in any capacity, whether it's sewn in beaded rows or individual beads, you're okay. In my opinion, saunas and beads are friendly together. You can take a deep breath and relax. And that's because those beads are not affected by heat or moisture. They're like little metal clamps on your hair and you have to have some like burn your face kind of heat to soften that metal. So don't worry about it. But if you have keratin bonds or tape-ins or any other glued in extensions, you have to be careful. Certain types of saunas are not your friend, but not all of them. Steam saunas are going to be hugely detrimental to those types of extensions. The high humidity will soften the bonds and break down adhesives, and the heat will make those things pliable as well. You're almost going to guarantee to shorten the lifespan of your expensive extensions. Woo, that's hard to say if you spend a lot of time in a steam sauna. A dry sauna is still not a great idea because of the really, really high temperatures. Even though it's dry, that high heat can still destroy the longevity of those extensions. And most of us that are wearing those types of extensions, whether the K-tips, keratin bonds, or tapins, are usually leaving them in for longer than people that are wearing the beaded type of extensions. So you want longevity there. But an infrared? No big deal, friend. I wouldn't bat an eye at sitting in an infrared sauna with any sort of extensions. Just be careful to not like yank on them too much if your hair is hot and sweaty because they're still pliable when they're warm and wet and they're going to be wet if you're sweaty. So just, you know, be gentle. But if you're concerned about your hair in a sauna in any way, shape or form, there's one last style that I'd like to talk about. It's so funny. I should have um, installed a picture in here. I'll try to look it up. But um, it's infrared technology, but it's not quite a room like most saunas. They're called personal or portable saunas, and they're hilarious because your head pokes out of them. One of my best friends has one, and she swears by it. She says you get to sweating almost immediately versus her old sauna room that took forever to heat up and get you sweating once you got in there. Now, you don't get the same... I'm sitting in a hot room feeling, so I'm not sure if the health benefits are the same. Uh, Maybe Dr. Rhonda Patrick has an answer for this. I might have to message her. Um, But you can rest assured that your hair would be 100% affected, right? And this is not hair related, but so many of us wear fake eyelashes these days that I feel like I should address this too. If you wear any sort of artificial eyelash, like hello, right here, it's probably held on with adhesive of some sort, whether they're eyelash extensions from a salon or the Lashify system like I use at home, all of them would suffer greatly from exposure to high heat and or moisture. For example, when I get in the shower with my Lashify lashes, I don't rub my eyes. Like I purposely don't touch my eyes when the lashes are wet because they are so soft that they might almost come right off. So maybe the head pokey-outy version is sounding even better now. (laughs) Um, I personally will probably try to time sauna sessions on days when I know I'll be removing or replacing my current set of lashes. Um, I get a little more like whatever about it when I know that I'm taking them off later. 
Does that make sense? Because I wear them for like a week at a time. But if you wear eyelash extensions, talk to your specialist about this and see what they suggest as well. They might have access to different types of adhesives that are more heat or water resistant. I'm not really on the like up and up on that stuff. So someone that specializes in that might have a better answer. So my friends, I'm going to leave you with this. Saunas seem to be fantastic for you and your overall health, including your scalp. Saunas may not be the best for your hair, but life is all about the risk to reward ratio, right? Every decision we make has a pro and a con. So is it worth the risk of potentially harming your hair or augmented beauty bits like extensions? Maybe. Sitting in a sauna a few times is probably not going to be an immediate detriment to your hair, just like occasionally blow drying your hair or using hot tools. You know, they say the dose makes the poison. Even water can be toxic. So sauna with care, I guess. And that means make sure to always use protection. And if you're an extension user, Be aware of the different types of saunas and how they react with the different types of extensions. So if you're a stylist, I want you to tell your clients about this. Keep them educated so they don't ruin their extensions and then assume they were faulty or that you did something wrong. And I didn't mention this earlier, but another thing to consider when using a sauna is to pull your hair up gently and keep it out of the way. You don't want your hair like sticking to you or getting yanked around as you get sweaty. And this is extensions or not. Everyone should do this. So put it up in like a soft bun or a hair clip to keep it out of the way. Just no tight ponytails or ballerina buns. Okay. Man, after talking about all this sauna business, I feel like I'm seriously missing out. After I'm done recording this, I'm going to go Google all the different places in town that I can get access to saunas. And I definitely recognize it as a useful tool. So I want to practice what I preach, friends. And that wraps up this segment of the podcast. And next, I'm going to step into some listener questions for you. So I absolutely love listener questions. I feel like they're great. Um, A lot of the times they give me topics to talk about and, um, you know, it's just kind of helping me gauge where everyone's at and what they want to know. And these questions specifically came from clients, um, which are great. So we're going to go ahead and jump in. Okay. First question is, is it rude to ask to see the color sample thingies? I want to be able to point out a color and say, that's what I want. I get confused in pictures and can't seem to describe what I want, but I don't want my stylist to feel offended or something. I really like this question. Okay. Uh, first of all, I'm going to say, um, if your stylist hasn't signed up for my webinar, they should. <laughs> little, little plug there, 23rd of this month, where I break down the inspiration photo into separate elements, parts and pieces. So you can figure out, so they can figure out exactly what you are focused on in that photo. Okay. And, uh, I always encourage people to bring multiple inspiration photos. And usually if they only bring me one, I pull out my phone and I start finding other photos to compare to, to make sure we're on the same page. So having multiple photos and then having your stylist have the ability to break down that photo with you is like step one. Okay. Uh, I feel like when we do that, it's easier to, 
head the right direction that would then be the appropriate time to get out the color swatches is what I call them um, or what the industry calls them. Um, so they're like, you know, little color books full of swatches of color. And I got to tell you, like in almost every single one of my consultations, unless I am really, really certain that I know exactly what someone wants in their color, I end up pulling out color swatches because it's just one more way for me to solidify that I know what my client wants, right? Because like you might say cool red, but you don't actually know what a cool red is. Not because you should, that's my job. Um, But if I just took your word for granted and it was actually a warm red that you wanted, you're going to be like, whoa, why do I have rocket fire red hair? So color swatches are fantastic. Now um, I have heard stylists in the past kind of gripe about this a little bit. It is one more step for them to have to go get the color swatch book and talk to their clients about it. And they kind of feel like their client doesn't trust them. And duh, the industry is kind of a hot mess. And so of course, clients are not trustworthy, trusted. Yeah, stylists aren't trustworthy. Gosh, what am I trying to say? Everything's all jarbled up. Okay, so anytime we can offer clarity, why not? And that is exactly what color swatches will do for you. So if your stylist gets offended because you asked to see color swatches to clarify what you want, I feel like maybe it's time to get a new stylist because that stylist is not going to be in the right headspace to be um, humble to criticism, if that makes sense. And I don't think that's healthy. So yes, absolutely ask for the color swatches, figure out what you want. And also, um, one thing I like to coach to is to circle back after the appointment and kind of figure out, like, go back to your consultation. Did we hit the notes that we meant to hit? You know, did we get where we wanted to be with your color? And if you have a concrete piece of evidence, like a color swatch that you pointed at, it surely makes it easier to hold it up and be like, how close did we get? Right. Um, whereas like photos, it can be a little vague. So it's a great useful tool. Absolutely. Love it. Thank you for asking that question. Okay. So the second one here says, my mom has the worst hairstyle. (laughs) No, yours doesn't. My mom has the worst hairstyle. (laughs) Um, It looks like she's stuck in the eighties. I feel like she would be so beautiful if she would update her look, but her hairstylist person has the same hairdo as her. So I don't think that's possible. How can I tell my mom she should change her hair and help her find someone new? Oof, girlfriend. Um, that's tough. Like I just said, my mom has the worst hairstyle. Listen, my mom is still rocking the parted down the middle long hair that she had in the seventies. And I've tried to convince her. Trust me, I've tried. Um, it's not like it looks bad on her, but it's surely not the most, um, I guess appropriate hairstyle for her or flattering hairstyle for her. And although I've offered other options and I'm a stinking hairstylist for goodness sake, she's just like, no, you know what it is when I I know from my mom, at least like she was cute in the seventies, you know, she had this like long, pretty hair and it was like her thing. And so that's like an identity that she holds on to. And I would almost bet your mom probably had some banging hair in the 80s. If she's still rocking it now, it's probably because it made her feel like a million bucks in the 80s. And that's like, maybe that was her prime. And that's when she thinks about her younger self, that's like her vision that she has. And so when people are um, 
like holding on to that vision of themselves, it's almost impossible to get them to step out of that look. So like, trust me, I've tried over my career. I've had plenty of women that have come to me and I've tried to gently be like, maybe we should do a little less uh, business in the front party in the back and a little more, you know, modern. And I don't say like, girl, you got a mullet. Um, although mullets are coming back around. So maybe that's a moot point. Maybe your mom's going to have amazing hair, according to all these like teenagers that have the like, you know, shaggy mullet things. Um, but point being, it's, it's really almost impossible to convince someone to step out of something they feel good in. And if her hairstylist is in the same position and her hairstylist is giving her something that she likes, I can almost guarantee there's going to be no way she's going to want to do that because, I mean, think about it. If you have a hairstylist that you're going to that makes you feel good, that you're happy with, that's consistent, why on earth would you go somewhere else, right? So um, good luck. (laughs) I don't think it's possible. I think you should just enjoy your hair and playing with it and let her have her 80s hairstyle. Maybe hairspray will go out of fashion and she'll have to think of something else. (laughs) I don't know. But anyway, thank you for um, adding that in. It makes an interesting point. So anyway, um, moving into the next one or last one, I should say. This question says, is it true that getting a trim every six weeks will make your hair grow faster? Woof. Um, Yes and no. I feel like every answer I have is like with the caveat of Here's the thinking behind this, okay? Um, Usually we're talking about people that are trying to grow their hair long when we talk about growing faster. So long hair is uh, susceptible to getting split ends. And that literally means that your hair shaft will start splitting. Um, It's like brittle or dry and like the cuticle layers are falling apart and the whole thing is splitting apart. Now, the way I learned this is that when hair splits, most likely if that is left unattended, that split will work its way up the hair shaft farther than if you would have just trimmed it off before it split. So the thinking is if you go in every six weeks and you just trim off a little bit, like a half inch, um, you will be mitigating any split ends from happening. Now, the problem with that is some people are slow growers, right? So maybe in six weeks, all you grew was a half inch. And so if you go in every six weeks and you never get split ends, guess what? You're never getting length either. So no, your hair is not going to grow faster. Okay. I've actually had to tell people that want to grow their hair longer. Stop getting haircuts. Don't come and see me. Like go, go away. (laughs) Come back in four months or six months, you know, um, give your hair some time to grow. Although if you are someone that has delicate or fragile, chemically, mechanically processed hair, um, or even nutritionally, um, deficient hair, if you have hair that has a a tendency to split, you are going to incorporate some sort of treatment protocol in there to protect and try to mitigate those split ends. And so if I ever tell someone, don't come back in for a while, I'm going to give them instructions on caring for their hair and some products to care for their hair so that they're not just nimbly bimbly growing split ends out there. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a nuanced answer, but if you've got like healthy, robust, shiny, dense hair, and you're not going to get split ends. Um, I mean, even still, you probably don't have to come in every six weeks for a trim. Is it going to hurt you? No. Is it going to help you? Maybe. 
um, your hair will probably look better as it grows. It'll just take longer to grow to the ultimate destination you want it to grow to. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense here. So technically, no, it doesn't make your hair grow faster. All we're trying to do is keep ahead of split ends that will potentially split up farther, therefore needing to cut more off to make it look healthier later. Woof. That was a mouthful. So um, that wraps up my listener question segment. I'm super thankful to have these. Um, Thank you for everyone that sent them in. Keep them coming. I love them. And now we're going to get into the product of the week. Okay, so this product of the week is more of a mm, category of stuff. I'm going to talk about the stuff that comes in those little jars that you have no idea what to do with, right? Okay, we're talking about things like wax, pomade, cream, balm, putty, paste, or clay, and there's probably other names that they go by that I missed, although these are all slightly different. They mostly serve the same purpose. They are what I call a finishing product, meaning they are applied as a last step in the styling process. They are intended to be used after your blow dryer or any sort of heat applied to your hair. The main purpose of using one of these little doodads is to add definition, separation, hold, control, and sometimes shine. Now, I'm lumping all of these together because they're usually fairly interchangeable, um, but I'll break down the differences between them as well. Let's start with a fun fact about pomade, because it's like the OG. In the 18th century, hair pomade was considered to be a luxury product used by members of the elite. 19th century pomades were made with listen to this, bear fat. And by the early 20th century, formulations included petroleum jelly, beeswax, and lard. So pig fat, cool. So they're like, oh, they started out with bear fat. And then, you know, we got more refined and sophisticated and started using pig fat. Cool. Um, But what I want you to know about pomades is that they are soft, oily, they have some hold, and they give your hair loads of shine. Pomade is what gave like the greasers their look on the movie Grease. So imagine that kind of hair when you think of pomade. But now instead of going down a laundry list of definitions and ingredients for all those different types of goops, I'm instead going to give you some like rules of thumb. And I'm going to do this because there's no true definition of each of these hairstyling products. Companies can call them whatever the heck they want. So let's talk about properties of these products and what tra- what that translates to in your hair. Okay. So um, I'm going to consider there's like a spectrum or a scale of these products. Okay. And pomade is going to sit at one end and something like a clay is going to sit at the other end. Now, whereas a pomade is like shiny and oily and greasy and silky and soft, like it never gets crunchy or hard, a clay is like matte finished. It's very thick. It's hard to move. um, And it gets like stiff kind of when it dries. And so that's like the other end of the spectrum. And then there's like this whole category of stuff in the middle that are like the creams and the balms and all these other types of waxes, okay? All you need to know is that you should be able to tell by glancing in the product, like opening the product and looking at it, what it's going to do for your hair. 
and even better if you can stick your finger in it. Now, I know it's hard to do that when you aren't able to purchase something, um, but if you have a hairstylist that you know that has a couple of these things, maybe like get used to looking at them and maybe touching them and feeling them so you can figure this out. So like I have some in front of me right now. Um, I've got three different ones and I'm going to open them and describe them to you so you can um, get a visual for this. So imagine a pomade. I don't have a pomade in front of me, but I can tell you what it's going to look like. You open a pomade. What it's going to look like is it's going to be super, super shiny looking. It's going to almost be like gelatinous. Like if you could like, like wiggle the container a little bit, it might barely slightly jiggle. It's kind of like Vaseline looking. Okay. So it's going to be translucent. It's not going to be opaque and thick and creamy. It's going to be translucent and it's going to look very shiny. Sometimes they have like sparkles in them, very oily. Okay. Now, when you open a clay, which I'm doing right now, you open up a clay container and it almost looks like an unburned candle. It has that matte look to it. It looks hard and firm. If you were to hold it upside down, nothing moves. And actually, if you can stick your finger in it, it's like stiff and hard. And then when you get some of the product on your hands, it doesn't get gooey at all. It's not slippery like a pomade and it's not gooey like a wax or a texturizer. It's just kind of like thick and tacky. Okay. So that's like a clay. Now the ones in between that are going to be creamy, you might open up a container and it's going to look a little shiny, but it's going to be thick and white and creamy like a lotion. And it maybe is a little soft, but doesn't quite move when you turn the container upside down. You can guess that's going to add a little shine. It's going to be softer than a clay. So it's going to be pliable more than a clay, but not quite as greasy as a pomade. Okay. And then the other ones like a balm, um, it's going to look kind of similar to a cream or a texturizing wax. You open it up and you're like, oh, I can see like a little bit of a satin finish on this. It's not quite matte like the clay, not quite greasy looking like a pomade. And it's not gooey or drippy and you stick your finger in it and it has more of a slick, slippery feel to it. Okay. What all of those things mean in your hair, um, slick and slippery tends to be soft stiff and matte tends to be grippy in your hair, meaning like hard to run your fingers through and creamy and gooey tends to be soft and pliable and still kind of sticky. Now, when would you use each of these things? It just really depends on the hair and what you're looking to do with it. For example, a pomade, Think of the greasers, right? I would never put a pomade on mm, like a blowout because it's just going to be like heavy and greasy on the ends. But if I want to add some definition and some like PC separation to a blowout, I would reach for a pot that looks creamy and kind of silky looking and a product that feels like it still has slip in my hands. It's not stiff and stuck, but it's not greasy. Something that almost feels like lotion when you put it on your hands. If you were to put that on the ends of a blowout, you'd get some definition, but you'd still be able to touch it and run your hands through it. 
Now on the opposite end of the spectrum with a clay, where I would use those products is like in braids. They're fantastic for that because it gives like, it's almost like, um, glue in the hair so that all those little hair fibers that like to poke out in braids, it's going to like slap them down so that when you do a braid, it's very, very clean looking. Now don't put this on a big fluffy boho braid though, because you want those like wispy sticky outy bits in a boho braid, but in a tight, clean braid, a clay is fantastic. Now, if you want to put a little something in a boho braid, you might also, you might instead, excuse me, use a little bit of a creamy gooey wax. So you can see that like, depending on what your goals are, um, it just really, it just depends what your goals are. So, um, when it comes to hair products, usually I like to recommend, um, like if you have a problem, you need a problem, a product to solve it, right? If you're just buying hair products cause they smell good, you're probably going to hate using them cause you don't know when and where and how to use them. But if you have an issue that you need to solve, then these are your tools to do so. Oh, I thought of another application for like a midweight clay or a wax. If you, um, blow dry your hair and you get those little bits that stick straight up on your part. Those products are great for that because they don't add shine. Okay. They're going to add a little bit of hold. I mean, we're talking, you're going to do a tiny, tiny amount and you're going to work it in your hands. You're not going to blob it on anything. So you're just getting a barely there coating. It's going to glue those little pokey uppy hairs down without adding oil, which is what you don't want to do up on your part. You would never want to do that with a pomade. Then it would look like you just put like an oil slick on the top of your hair, right? And even like a creamy waxy one, you don't want to do that because those have a little more oils in them and hydrating qualities to them that you don't want to put right on your scalp. Okay. So just try to figure out when and where you're trying to use one of these and then consider like, what are you asking of this product and what do you want it to do? So balms, waxes, pomades, creams, texturizers, well, I think there's even a sleuth. No, there's another one. I don't know. They all have different names. Um, the point being they're wonderful, useful products if you know when and where to use them. But my rule of thumb is like, um, the more matte, the more firm, the more hold, um, the shinier, the softer, the less hold, and then the creamy ones are in between. So stick with that. Try some products. Let me know what you think. Keep the greasy ones away from your scalp unless you want to look like a greaser. Use the clay ones for tight braids. And bada bing, bada boom, my friend. We have got this covered. This has been a wonderful podcast. Thank you so much for listening. It's been my absolute pleasure. And um, cheers to you and your future sauna-ing. And like I said, keep the questions coming. I love them. So thank you, friend. Have a wonderful hair day. And I will see you next time. Okay, bye. Hey, friend. Crystal here, and I've got something special for you that's too good to miss. Introducing the wildly popular Confident Conversations Bootcamp, where we unlock the three secret stylist skills that attract clients who pay. In just three classes, we'll transform how you communicate, connect, and turn every conversation in the salon into a formula for high-paying clients. It's not magic, it's mastery of words, presence, and the kind of confidence that turns heads. So why sign up? 
Because mastering these skills means more than just full books. It's about crafting a career that's as rewarding financially as it is creatively. We're talking quality clients who value your expertise and are happy to pay you for it. And the best part, it's completely free. You heard right. It's my gift to you, friend. So if you're ready to elevate your behind the chair game and attract the clientele you've always dreamed of, this boot camp is your first step. Spaces are limited, and trust me, friend, you don't want to miss out on this transformation. So head on over to www.yourhairmentor.com to secure your spot today. Let's make sure that your talent is undeniable and your chair the hottest ticket in town. Cheers to clients who pay and a career that slays. I cannot wait to see you at the Confident Conversations Bootcamp, my friend.